But it's true though. I mean, look, you don't go into an engineering degree blind, you know, it, is, it isn't easy, but it's worth it. And I think part of what I've learned recently is that, you know, I think almost everybody should have an appreciation of engineering. Because yeah. if you have an appreciation of engineering, you can then have an appreciation of what goes on in the world. How things work. Well, yeah, and just how decisions are made. You know, yeah. engineering, how things are made and created and done is fundamental to pretty much everything. And if you don't mm. understand that, mm. then you can't have you can't have a part in the conversation. And that's really sad. Yeah. yeah. So mm. I, I don't expect everyone to go out and do an engineering degree, but you know, I think people should <coughs> understand what en- what engineering is about more. And it's not about maths. It is about maths, but it's not about maths. You know, it's problem about solving problem solving processive teamwork. asking that question, you know, why why why, does, why does that happen? How and why. Yeah, exactly. you know, and, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, being having the confidence to, to take stuff apart and, you know, look at something and solve it for yourself. G'day guys, it is, uh, if you don't already know by now, it's your favourite podcast hosts, or uh, at least I like to think so, we like to think yeah, so. Yeah, we like to think so. <laughs> but it is, yeah, hoping so. it is your Pretensioners, my name is Ryan Lumens. My name's Jack Orbit, and, and you're with the Pretensioners yet again for another amazing episode, we're sure it will be. Mate, uh, it was an amazing episode, but not all the, you know, lollipops, rainbows and sunshine that we, we often talk about with inspiring careers really a raw, genuine and, and real episode mm. from Ruth Harrison, aerospace engineer, uh, fantastic woman that's had an unconventional career, yeah. um, studied at Kensington University in Surrey and uh, yeah, amazing, really interesting story of, of adversity and, and yeah, when you've, you've got, you think this perfect plan mm. sorted and, and lined up and that's what you're going to do your calling and it doesn't pan out, Absolutely, um, mate. what do you do? Yeah, and that's it. She started with the cadets more specifically with the Air Force cadets, and she worked her way up through the ranks there, becoming eventually a warrant officer there, which is basically as high as you can go there, and discovered this immense love and passion for planes and anything that flew. (laughs) And (laughs) find that out. And so, as you can only imagine, her uh, goals and eyes were set only on becoming a fighter jet. Yeah, a RAF pilot, so they say in England. Mm. Anyway, to go all that way and be denied right before the crunch Mm. and miss out on it, as you can imagine, is absolutely heartbreaking, and that's exactly what she had to endure. As to why she didn't get it, we we won't tell you just yet. You'll have to listen. But to go on after that, what's the next best thing? An aeronautical engineering degree. So she thought... And to go and do all that and get to the end and find out that we're in a recession, there's jobs being cut back, graduate programs aren't offering the same intakes as they were before, was absolutely, um, I, w- I would say it'd be a tough time for Ruth oh, and what she had to go through. Gut-wrenching. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, she, she really talks about how she deals with things, how she endured through uh, what was, she thought, the perfect plan. And um, but yeah, she's she's really making use of that now um, yeah. through this amazing initiative called Rocket Women, and um, basically it's a support structure, it's a networking and service uh, she's providing to to anyone, but but obviously it's predominantly uh, women that have temporarily exited the STEM and engineering workforce. Or want to enter from a different career or a different standpoint. Exactly. And, and these are people that have maybe taken an extended break uh, or looking to re-enter the engineering and STEM workforces. Um, and so she really provides a lot of mentoring, coaching, training, uh, internships um, to be able to help these women predominantly, but, but many skill sets uh, enter or re-enter the workforce. So uh, an amazing story, guys. Please uh, check it out. Uh, a fantastic story about you know what uh, can go wrong sometimes. So, but um, mm. just before we go, guys, we want to plug a couple of things. If you're listening to this, uh, and it's obviously right before October, we are super proud to announce we are actually presenting at the Institute of Public Works Engineering Association, Queensland. Their annual conference is going to be right here in Brisbane. Uh, I think it's from October 19th to, to the 21st or something. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But we're super excited to be attending the three-day event uh, and actually presenting on the Pretensioners and uh, all what we do in helping to increase the connectivity, the mentorship, the communication in the engineering community, mate. What do you think? Absolutely. So, so keen for this. We've had a few speeches and presentations, but for us, this is really the crux. Um, it's going to be such an awesome event to be involved in and really 
to be able to reach as many people as we are there we're really hoping to connect with a lot more engineers who can share their stories on the podcast for you guys to really get a great insight on what the engineering industry is in the public works sector exactly and it's a, it's an amazing sector that maybe doesn't get uh, all the, the glam uh, you know that the private does because they are the, really the blue collar jobs uh, the hospitals the roads the power distribution but um, it's an amazing conference to understand what a certain sector of the industry does we will be speaking on the third day uh, it's at the Royal International Convention Centre in Brisbane from October 22nd to 24th uh, we'll be speaking at 10 a.m. so please check us out if you're there and uh, as always please reach out to us on our LinkedIn on through our Facebook page um, if you want to give us any advice, what do you love about the episodes? What do you dislike about the episodes? We're actually looking at getting um, skilled audio producers on soon so that it sounds a lot smoother and a lot nicer than <laughs> what these cronies do because we are engineers but not audio engineers. So give us your advice. Um, what would you change about the episodes and uh, who do you want to hear from? But, and, um, and mate, on, on a second point on that is ask us for advice as well. A big shout out to Pawan, I hope I'm saying that right, and also Anjinkia. Both of these guys, they uh, reached out to us this past month and really just asked us a few questions, whether it be about going for a job interview, attending a networking night, what they can expect in industry coming out of university and hat off to them both because we're here to help anyone and everyone who has these questions. So please don't be afraid to message us, reach out on LinkedIn or any other platform. This is what this is all about. We're building a community to help educate, mentor, and really bring together young professionals like ourselves. So don't be a stranger and reach out to us. Thanks very much, guys. I'm Ryan Lumens. I'm Jack Orbit. We are your engineers, and uh, from us, enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. the career comes along mm, mm. and then you know that never happens and that's why I wanted to talk about you know as an engineer you kind of I don't know you plan things everything's you know there's a process there's a project management of like what you're going to do even if your career and you know it never looks like that you yep. can't project manage your career because you just don't know what opportunities are going to arise or what aren't going to arise yeah you know so it's really um, and I think that's really important for people to know that you know that there is options but they're not always the ones that you expect yeah you're recording <laughs> this is really good. Wow. <laughs> that was amazing. Um, but um, yeah, guys, uh, we are now live. Um, and so often, I'm glad I actually hit record earlier because so often Jack and I start an episode, we'll start talking about an episode like, G'day, how are you going? You know, whatever. And then they mention this amazing golden little nugget. And then we actually then record and do it, try to do it official and they can't explain it as well. So super glad I actually hit record on that. Um, <laughs> guys, my name is Ryan Lumens. I'm Jack Orbord. We are the Pretend Engineers, and uh, today we have Rocket Woman, literally. Her name is Ruth Harrison. She joins us today. She studied aerospace back in the UK and spent some time as a bank teller working in technical engineering recruitment, but she is now uh, officially the founder of Rocket Woman. Yeah, go me. <laughs> Hello, Ruth Harrison. Thanks Hello. very much for coming on. Thank you for Welcome. having me. This is really exciting and very scary for anyone that's going to do it in the future. <laughs> <laughs> we are not holding a knife. So that's okay. Don't describe what we look like to the audience, please. <laughs> Did you say this was a video? <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we've got Ruth Harrison here at uh, GHD HQ here in Brisbane. We're here all to, to uncover the, the story about Ruth. Wow. Okay. Have you got any five minutes? Because that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to talk about for an hour, but anyway, we'll try. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a couple of uh, cool bullet points, and um, I really love, as I reply back to you in the email, uh, I, I love a couple of these, these bullet points because they're real, and, and often um, people love to show this duck mentality where everything was all fine and fancy and no worries, and, and, and you know, just as it was planned just as it was drawn up on top. But it's because of social media and things these days that, you know, down underwater, their legs are just furiously going and then it's all a facade and things like that. So, I mean, we'll get to that in a little bit, but um, can you explain a little bit to us who is Ruth Harrison and, and how you came to be? 
oh wow I don't think you want to go right back to how I came to be <laughs> <laughs> something I don't even want yeah, to talk yeah, about yeah. <laughs> the first time we've had that response yeah, that's actually I've never had that response before oh, so. sorry that's just okay <laughs> it's the English in you coming it's the English in me you know we're very reserved we, we you know we step off a lip and all that um, so um, yeah so I'm English which a lot of people around here are um, it's um, good climate it, it is a good climate, but I'm, I'm really struggling with it, to be honest. It's yeah. hot and sticky and uh, warm all the time. But uh, mm. I am actually going back to the UK in winter this year. And, yeah, I'm not sure I'm looking forward to that. But anyway, <laughs> we're, not, we're not here to talk about the weather in the dark. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, so my career has been one of ups and downs. And I think that's, you know, that just reiterates what I said earlier about, you know, you can plan your careers you can have all these ideas as a young person what you want to do um, and you don't life doesn't life doesn't work like that and mm. one of the big things I've always said or I've always done is I've said yes to a lot of things like I'm in Australia because I said yes and that's not always taken me in the ways that I wanted to go but it's given me experiences that have led me to where I am now and I think I'm on a path that takes me somewhere that I want to go and do something that really matters to me mm. um, and for want of a better word I was a tomboy I hate that that, that actual word because you know I'm a I was a girl who enjoyed playing with cars and with toys. That doesn't make me a boy. That just makes me with a girl with interests. Yeah. Um, exactly. And exactly. so I had um, a very my my dad was an actually an electrical engineer, and so I always spent a lot of time with my dad and did a lot of things, and always had interest. He was a steam train guy. You know, that's very English. You know, like yeah. steam no. train. Yeah. <laughs> 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 show every weekend on the ABC channel about old mate that literally travels. The UK. That's right. It's the trains. <laughs> yeah. The English, the English yeah. really get hot and bothered over steam trains. Uh. So that's Roof's dad. Yeah, that, that, that okay. was my dad. He was, the picture. Yeah, he always used to like the, I'm going to be really, really boring here and talk about A4s, which was the, the Mallard and those kinds of steam trains. And, you know, just the, right. the look of those. And it got, I don't know, it just kind of led me down a track of, oh, they're interesting. I want to know more. I'm also very much a person who goes, I want to know what's going on with that. I don't, I don't <laughs> accept, you know, yeah. that's just reality. I don't accept. Well, I just don't accept that it just happens. I want to know why. Yeah. And that's probably what led me into into engineering. That and the air cadets in the UK. I had a guy turn up at my school and went, oh, we're doing this recruitment. Come and join the air cadets. And I love aeroplanes. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I love aeroplanes more than I love GT3s. Really? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm a big, big fan of... Um, and all of my mini friends, I didn't say anything about Porsches, okay? I love my mini. <laughs> um, you know. what's, one of your, what's one of your favourite planes? Like, give it to us. Oh my God, there's so many. Okay, we're going to go with an A10. Is up there, you know, because it's ugly, yeah, but it has a, you know, you can, you can't shoot it down, you can't. It, As someone who knows nothing about planes, what does the A10 roughly look like? If you imagine somebody plane? building a plane to not look like a plane, it yeah. would look like an A10. Okay. Um, yeah. Oh, that's not the triangle shaped. Um, no, so that that's no, that's, no. that's, okay. uh, that's an F111. <laughs> um, for, uh, for, for anyone listening, um, my good mate Google has just told me it is the Fairchild Republic. A10 Thunderbolt 2. Also known as a warthog because it's so ugly. <laughs> Pumper. I swear yeah. I've been called probably a warthog a couple of <laughs> It is the Pumper of the, the aviation industry. I also read an article this week, I posted it on my LinkedIn, was about the C-130 um, Spooky. And I was like, oh, I've not heard of a Spooky, but I have heard of a Spectre, which is the C-130 gunship. So mm. I don't necessarily like things that blow stuff up. Well, actually I do. Okay, so... We all like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and these are not, you know, your, your typical aircraft oh, yeah. that you would go, oh, yeah, they're a big fan, but I just, it looks like a seal. And I just <laughs> <laughs> it does. For anyone listening, please Google Lockheed AC-130. Yes. Actually, isn't that on... Definitely, um, definitely a seal. This like, comes off my, my gaming history, but I think in modern warfare, that you used to be able to call in an AC-130, which is the big bombing plane, and it just kills everyone well it would have been a spectre which has all the guns and shoots yeah, everything out the and they tend to use them yeah it's a flying play basically gun you know <laughs> like a star wars yeah, type thing yeah right and, and, and they protect an area that's what they're really for you know to okay. keep your people yep. and they shoot all the way around and so yeah so uh, yeah we could go back to vulcans i love vulcans they're my they're my probably um if we're going to go something a little bit different 
and, and very English. We also love a lot of the, the aircraft that didn't make it into production, like the TSR2s and what the Valkyries. What about the Concord? You see, yeah, well, Concord is... Um, I don't know. It just did there and back. <laughs> Very quick. It's, yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> if, you look at, if you look at a Valkyrie um, or even the ill-fated TSR2, you know, there's some, um, yeah. But now I'm okay. really showing my yeah. Okay. So it's a lot of those projects I like because they were development projects and, you know, they were, they were cutting edge at the time. Mm-hmm. And so that's just really what interests me about how they pushed boundaries and barriers and which is why i've got a real passion for space as well mm. you know i've just i've just actually built a lego saturn 5 and it was the best build ever <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah i'm a bit of a geek i have to say but i'm also you know really personable and really nice engineers approval yeah so you've got me off track now a little bit asking yeah. what my favorite aircraft so, does no, no, no. for the next hour okay you found yeah. a way to get <laughs> If anyone doesn't already know, this episode is solely dedicated to planes. <laughs> Please log out if you're not interested. No, no, so, so getting back to the story at hand, so cadets, can you speak a bit about, I suppose, your experiences there for anyone that obviously was a cadet or, or a scout and, and I suppose what you learnt there and how that, you know... And how old were you when you first started? So I think I was about 13 when I started with the yeah. cadets and I, I washed out when I couldn't be a cadet anymore and I went all the way through the ranks. I ended up leaving as a cadet warrant officer, which at the time was the mm-hmm. highest rank a cadet could be. And... It was just the most amazing time of my life. It gave me opportunities that I wouldn't have got elsewhere, even in something like the Scouts or you know any of the other kind of youth organisations. Mm-hmm. I went to Cyprus for two weeks. I got to see the U2s flying, I'm which right. you just don't get to yeah. see. Yeah. Um, I met the pilots. Um, you know, they talked about all the, the the food that they have to carry, and you know, because they, yeah, they have yeah. space food and, mm-hmm. and stuff. And you got to look inside them, and you know, it's made of wood, and you're like. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Concerning. Yeah, yeah, okay, this is this is interesting. I mean it's an aircraft from what sixties or something. And which is still in use today and just even the fact that you they have sight vehicles that follow them, you know, because they can't land on their own, they have to have a second pilot in a car behind when oh, they right. come in to land and tell them when it's safe to huh. how to put the wheels down. Because wow. the the wings are so long that they can't support themselves mm-hmm. and so there's literally only wheels under the body, under the fuselage. And so they, the pilot behind tells them, the other pilot, yeah, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good. Until they, and then they have to get prop, run out with props to huh. put them under the wings. So um, it's like a giant glider. So, yeah, yeah, wow. But, oh, wow. You know, so I would I've never have got the opportunity to spend time in Cyprus mm-hmm. without the cadets. I went on leadership courses. I went to Frimley Park, which if there's anyone from the UK would know is a fairly hard, hardcore uh, military site for doing training there. So we went over all the obstacle courses and, you know, did all the mm-hmm. stuff that the Marines do. And and it was just it was just amazing the opportunities they gave me obviously I learned to fly as well we had gliders and we had um, bulldog planes oh, no. you know and it was just I also learned to shoot which which I don't know everyone wants to do but you know just the understanding the mechanics of it and how it works yeah it can really it, it just mm. you just don't get those opportunities mm. so yeah it was just amazing and that led me to going for to want to join the Air Force and I did and I still I mean if someone said to me you're going to be a fighter pilot tomorrow I'd be there I'd be like yep yeah, yeah. I'm done, yeah. Um, So, you know, that's, it's still, it's still, I still have that passion for aviation. And so I went to the, the Royal Air Force I got a six form scholarship which in the UK would I don't really understand your schooling system here but so year, tw- year 11 year 12 mm, yeah, they sponsored yeah. me through my final years of school I got to do another leadership course up in the Cairngorms uh, in the UK which was just absolutely amazing so what was that again so you did a leadership course in, in the, the Cairngorms okay, is, so that like, is that like it's, it's like a Scottish ski area oh, wow. <laughs> but it was in the summer so we, went, mm-hmm. we did like we did three day hikes and camping out in the wilderness and Unreal. just all sorts of different amazing things is that almost like an officer's training for the cadets almost yeah Yeah. it's yeah so it was part it was a pre kind of leadership course for going into as an officer into Mm -hmm. the royal air force yeah and they gave me i got a a flying scholarship as well so i learned to fly through the royal air force wow i've always been interested um what the crossover from cadets to the actual air force or army or whatever you're doing your cadet program in is for like a young person so say you said for example you became a warrant officer 
um, when you cross over to the actual army, do you just start from scratch or? Yeah, but yeah, there's no there's no crossover. There's no crossover. It's like obviously so it's a bit you're of a better feeder. at shooting than Yeah, some it's a feeder system. It get what it does is it gets you used to the rank structure. It gets you used uh-huh. to working in that discipline. You know, yeah. I was actually um, I'm going to plug myself and and uh, Gary today. I actually had a chat today with Gary from uh, the F, Australian Air Force Cadets, mm-hmm. and he was saying that you know it's about when you join the cadets. It's not about what what you do on the squadron or when you're in, in uniform. It's also about you know if you anything you do comes back to the cadets. You know people say, oh, I know such and such from down the street. You know mm-hmm. they've done something naughty and they come they go back to the cadets and go, well, why is this person doing this? So it's about getting people used to that because it's the same in the forces. You know yeah. people know that that oh, accountability that accountability of, of person. So yeah. and that's something that I, I think some people do struggle with, but it's also a great thing. It's about personal responsibility and, and yeah. learning mm-hmm. that what you do affects what your future and also you know in this world of social media it's so easy to do something really stupid and yeah. everyone know about it so if you've got already used to that being a little bit more aware of your own yourself then yeah. that's that's a really great start in life and i mean look when i was a cadet none of this was an issue we didn't even i was <laughs> i was talking uh, today and um we were talking about simulators because they're looking at bringing simulators into the air force cadets now and I said, oh, we had a simulator in my squadron and basically we had a Harrier seat. Someone had found a Harrier seat and stuck it in a, made some wooden things for it and stuck some screens on it. And he was like, oh, I can just think about the OHS regulations around that now. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I don't even know if it was decommissioned. It was just found because our squadron was actually on a BAE system site. So yeah, we, right. had the, we had all the planes flying in and out we, um, mm. over our squadron building. So yeah, yeah. you don't, yeah. And there's, there's someone just. Doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. No, no. no. <laughs> you need a thousand permission forms just to get well, on the side that's what he was saying he said it's changed yeah. a lot since yeah. like, since my day and yeah, I'm not yeah. that old <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's I mean, still such a great I mean they still do really great things and it's a great opportunity I but mean, you know I would encourage every kid to go and do something like that even if they don't like it you know at least experience it and say that you don't like it because it's you just don't get those opportunities and it's just a great way to also network and get used to being I was just about to say there. making friends and stuff yeah and in a different real. environment yeah. um, that's not school and something where you've got a common interest with people. So, yeah, it was a great time of my life. It was also really disappointing because I did my sixth form scholarship. I had already decided that I was going to uni to do aerospace engineering. I got into my preferred university, I think, mm-hmm. just. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just, just. Yeah, look, uh, the, that time of my life wasn't a great time of my life personally, so I was really proud to have actually scraped through. Yeah. And... I went to do the, the the next stage of the, you know, to get sponsorship through university, through the Royal Air Force. I found out I couldn't fly. I couldn't because of my eyesight, which kind of really just knocked me for six. And so it got to the point where I said, I don't want to join the Air Force. If I can't be a pilot, I don't want to give up yeah. my life for, mm. for that. Yeah, yeah. Whether I regret that now, I don't know. But mm. I'm very happy where I am today. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, that could have let me it's down. It's interesting because it's almost like joining a soccer team but being forced to sit on the bench the whole season type thing. And as you watch the players score the goals and doing all that, you're kind of missing out on what you foresee as being the whole point of it. Yeah, and the thing, the, the really disappointing thing was that I was actually had the aptitude to do it. I passed all the aptitude tests mm-hmm. with flying colours. Really? You know, I had, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. every, every other aspect was really good and I even said I'd be a helicopter pilot. You know, there was one point <laughs> where I just wanted to fly Sea Kings, which is the, which was the SAR the search and rescue Rescuing. helicopters yeah. for the UK yeah. um, and I was like no I'll do that and I mean Prince William was a search and rescue yeah. helicopter yeah. so that's, that's, that's a very, that's very <laughs> amazing <laughs> job that they did yeah I couldn't even be an air lady so you know the people that hang off the back and um, you know Winch people throw, throw people out. Yeah, sure. Winch, yeah. Oh, yeah, winch people up too, but they more about three. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Air Force, they're getting out, they're not getting in. So, yeah, so I couldn't even do that or a navigator in the end. And so I just decided that that wasn't no. for me at the time. And, yeah, so I went on to do my aerospace engineering degree at Kingston University in Surrey, which was a great university. It was a really great opportunity because I was from the north and that was in the south. And it was just... I know that doesn't sound a long way in, you know, Australian terms, but, you know, that's a big gulf of <laughs> cultural differences. Cultural, yeah. Even the accent's different down there, isn't it? You'd have to speak oh, all, this all fancy. Yeah, you see, if I go back to Dozens the north, people think the UK, I, right? yeah, they think I speak really posh. And if I go oh, do in, they? in the oh, south, they the think I sound around. really north. Yeah, north yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and then I just hear you all saying, you've got a weird accent, I don't know where you're from. Uh, so, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the engineering degree I was one of 
think five girls mm. on the course and in my first year particularly they all the engineering degrees came together so you know every single person that was on a bachelor of honors we were all in the same lectures so it wasn't just whatever 20 people it was 200 people in a room and there were still only five of us or yeah you right, know right. and it was it was really at the time I didn't think anything different but I do know looking back now that I you know became quite masculine in my attitudes yeah yeah um I was always the one that drank the most when we went out you know yeah. I was always had to beat the guys you know mm. I had to do everything better or yeah. be more I had to be more bubbly I had to be more you know I yeah. had to be more gregarious yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah definitely and so it was a great time don't get me wrong I think being a student is fantastic you know? <laughs> <laughs> from what you remember between all, between I, all the yeah, no I was a bit of a top shelf girl I have to say <laughs> <laughs> the more the more colourful it was the more likely I was going to drink it so. <laughs> I actually remember um, I've the, never heard anyone actually rate themselves just like that that's right. I was a bit of a top shelf girl I was pretty I was I actually remember the day we graduated so we finished our exams and um, well you know not graduated you know finished our exams and that was that was it I was done by four I, I usually could not, not done exams done drinking <laughs> just to clarify yeah, yeah I went home had to sleep and then went out again later because I was just I was just yeah. <laughs> uh, just yeah. a public service announcement uh, Ryan Lumens here from Pretensioners we as Pretensioners do not endorse or condone any drinking at all no I just jokes but um, I, had, I hate to tell you now I'm actually teetotal now so. and <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I did all my drinking in my youth I have to yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah right, and then right. so um, I went through my degree. It was all it was all very hard and very challenging. And um, amen. It was you know you're the one that's doing still doing courses and subjects when everyone else is out drinking. You know, yeah. we, I think I remember when we started. Oh, you've got like thirty hours of lectures Contact during the time. week. Yeah, and yeah. we've got like six. I had the exact, yeah. same, exact same experience. I remember one of my mates was doing, I think, property management and real estate, and he was already in his third year or something like that, and I was in my first year because I went back to uni at 21, and I ran into him at uni, and I was like, hey, man, how you going? It's like first week or something like that. We're looking at our schedules, and you look at mine, and there's one spot here, like break, one break here, one break here, one break here. So I had probably four hours, five hours of breaks total in the week. Yeah. And almost nine to five or something like that, eight to six or whatever was classes. And then you look at his and he was just completing this. Yeah. One one hour class here, two hour lecture here, one one hour and I'm just like four hours for the week. What have I gotten myself into? Yeah, and then and then in those breaks, I don't know about you, but there was always a group project that you had to go and sit in the library and do, oh, and, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how me and this bugger met. Oh no, my shoulders still haven't actually fixed <laughs> after carrying it for so long. Honestly, oh. that's probably why I've done my rotator cuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> carrying Jack Orbaugh through all these pro wind deficits. But it's true though. I mean, look, you don't go into an engineering degree blind. You know, it is it isn't easy, but it's worth it. And I think part of what I've learned recently is that you know I think almost everybody should have an appreciation of engineering because yeah. if you have an appreciation of engineering you can then have an appreciation of what goes on in the world how things work well yeah and just how decisions are made you know yeah. engineering how things are made and created and done is fundamental to pretty much everything and if you don't mm. understand that mm. then Absolutely. you can't have you can't have a part in the conversation and that's really sad yeah, yeah. Mm. so mm. I, I don't expect everyone to go out and do an engineering degree but you know I think people should <coughs> understand what en- what engineering is about more and it's not about maths it is about maths but it's not about maths you know it's problem about solving problem processes, solving processive teamwork. asking that question you know why why why, does, why does that happen how and why yeah you exactly. know and, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know being a, having the confidence to, to take stuff apart and you know look at something and solve it for yourself I think um, that stems back to you just talked about asking the question and I think one thing that an engineering degree teaches you really well through group activities and things like that and just sheerly being so goddamn difficult <laughs> is your network and the value of having a network. I was the first guy at university once we got an assignment to ask 20 other people in the room, have you done question one? Have you done question one? What about question two? You got an answer to question two? I don't and... think you're supposed to be telling us this. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a piece of paper now and I'll take it away from him. Let me finish. Let me finish. My first ever job interview, I told that to the boss. I told that to the manager. I was the first guy in the room to ask everyone for the questions. He absolutely loved it because to him, it proved that I was resourceful in going to the people who did have the answers. As engineers, as project managers, 
we don't have the answer to every single problem that's out there and you need to have a network or someone you can call up or a consultant or whoever it might be to ask for their expertise because we can't be experts in everything and I just think it's so critical to be able to go and ask a question whether it's you don't have an engineering degree and you want to find out a bit more but just having that curiosity in the whole industry or the project you're working in is just so crucial mm. but yeah Anyway, I'll stop harping on the lecturing. <laughs> no, I think what? it goes back to that lovely graph. I, I, I'm, I'm really sorry. Um, mm. I cannot remember the name of this, this graph, but at the top, you like very close to the beginning and, and it's very high up, you know, knows absolutely nothing but has the confidence of knows absolutely everything, mm. you know, and then you go down the graph and further along as time and you start to learn stuff and mm. you know things, then you realise how little you actually know. Mm. So your confidence yeah, yeah. drops, but you, your knowledge starts to increase because you're always yeah. starting to yeah. learn that you know stuff. And that's just, that's just so true that, it's it's really sad that the people that you know think they or know things think they don't know things but you also need to know so much more than you could ever imagine you know and you can't know all of that absolutely so you've got to you've got to link into your network and i think that's not something that engineers do very well i think they're getting better and i think social media has helped because people can connect from the behind the screen <laughs> um, <laughs> they don't actually have to physically meet yeah them. <laughs> exactly and um, but it also means that, that you know events aren't all aren't so you know word of mouth anymore so you can find out what's going on and mm. you get involved in things um, yep. and, and that, I think that's helped engineers a lot <laughs> yeah. yeah and I think that's one thing we want to help facilitate and cultivate um, in the engineering industry is just a, and the STEM industry at, a, at large is, is sharing of knowledge sharing of information connections advice mentoring it's really just to help you know there's already an engineering community we're not the creators of the engineering community but we want to just tighten and in increase the networks and, and the connections within that community i suppose because there's so many intelligent people and, and people with advice and skills and knowledge to give mm -hmm. uh, and then on the other spectrum the people that need that knowledge that advice that mentoring that coaching and you know I, i've been so blessed to be able to just connect people like i've got a friend of mine catching up with a mentor of mine this Friday for a potential job. Amazing guy, Moin, um, you know, originally from Bangladesh. Mm. He's got temporary residency here, applying for permanent residency. If he gets a, a job out of this meeting and then gets permanent residency and can stay in Australia forever, you know what I mean? That'd be one of the best accomplishments I've done in my life. And it's just really by just putting two people together. You've literally are, changed his life. Yeah, he could, no, obviously not to blow myself up, but he could potentially stay in Australia or leave just because of one little connection I've made, you know? Mm, so, mm. yeah, and that's not to pump me up and say that I've done amazing, but it's just to say he's a talented, quality engineer and I've got an amazing mentor, Bill, that is fantastic. And it's just about putting them together. So, no, I completely agree and, and, and value what you're doing, you know, as a person and I suppose as Rocket Woman. So, um, But, yeah, tell us about, so you talked about you finished your university degree and probably with a large hangover we're talking <laughs> four years worth of hangovers. Um, okay, so one of the challenges is when I was at the university, we needed three-year degrees. Um, I was only three years. It was only three years degrees. And one of the biggest regrets that I do have is that a lot of my, particularly my male friends, they all went and did a year, an annual, a year out and did a placement. Right. Um, and there was an option. You could either do that or do not. And I was like, well, let's get it over and done with and let's get and go and get a job. You know, yeah, this yeah. is costing me an absolute packet. Um, yeah. And so, but they didn't, it wasn't really made clear at, to me as a, as a uh, I don't know, a youthful person, you know, that mm. going out and doing that placement isn't just about getting a job experience, it's about getting that network. And so when I yep. finished my degree, the industry, particularly the aerospace industry in the UK, had gone from gone through a huge downturn, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about thousands of graduates that couldn't get jobs. And, you know, and the people that did get jobs were the people that had a network. Mm. You know, and not only was I out of, you know, a bit of a fish out of water, I was down in London and, and my reason for beings were all up in, in the north. Mm. So I didn't, in any network I'd created in London was pretty useless to me up in the north. Yeah. Yeah. And also I just didn't have that confidence. I didn't come out of university yeah. and I know everything. I came out of university and I'm shit, I don't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> also, to, to be fair as well, you've just had your confidence absolutely crushed because you really wanted to be a, a, you know, a pilot and you weren't able to. I mean, I can only imagine... Uh, and I don't want to speak for you, but I can only imagine what that, you know, that does to your confidence uh, and your direction in life. You know, if you've always thought, this is what I'm going to do, this is my being, this is my reason, I'll, I'll shut up. But can you just speak about that and how you were able to finish university and, and, and what, you know, transpired because of that? So I think it comes back to that whole, you know, having a plan. And yes, I did have a plan. I was a cadet for a long time. You know, I was, I had the aptitude, I had the, the leadership skills to make it in the 
in the Air Force. Somebody told me recently that I um, I move very fast. I leave people behind and I'm a bit of a bull. And that I'm <laughs> a, a rhino. Bull, bull in a china shop. No, more that, you know, I see some, a problem and I just go straight at it and try and get rid of it. You know? I love that. And a lot of people don't like that because I do leave people <clears> behind because I'm like, there's a problem, let's solve it, let's get over it. You know, yeah. stop, yeah. Why, why wouldn't we do it rather yeah. than why should we do it? And um, so that always, I thought would, would work quite well in the Air Force, you know. Mm. I'm, I was always the one doing the drill. I was always the one, you know. Leading. Leading, yeah, yeah. pretty much. Pushing forward and pushing, yeah, leading was, by example rather than leading yeah, by, I by would, management. I, but this is before, like, we had real, like, computers were everywhere. And so, you know, I brought computers to my squadron about, you know, let's, let, we, can, we can use PowerPoint to teach about aerodynamics, yeah. you know, yeah. instead of this boring old book. And so it was all about trying to change things. And um, so I always thought I would fit in quite well. and. So when that didn't eventuate, and it, it was a bit of a, you know, what do I do now? I'd already, I was already signed up for doing aerospace engineering, and I, I love mm. planes, and so that was that was always kind of a given. But mm. it, it was when I kind of left, and you know, while you're doing your degree, it's all like let's get over it, yeah, we've got to do this, got to do, got this bit of coursework, got to, you know, you're living that, you've got to, got to go to Sainsbury's and work on the deli counter tonight because yeah, I need to earn yeah, some yeah. money to pay for that kebab right. that's going to yeah, yeah. like I've got to and the beers and, um, <laughs> <laughs> and and the train ticket back home and you know and all of those things it was very different to the way it is now you know I know now that there's a lot more industry support there's a lot more in internship mm. and universities are doing a lot more to, to support people when they finish mm. when it was like when I finished it was like Go on. Yeah. Yeah, you finished off you See go. You later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And particularly again, so the south versus north, you know, I wasn't you know, even if I as part of the alumni year or disassociated from the from the main body of the, the organisation, so it's mm. quite difficult to, to be there. And so yeah, you're right, it did it did sort of leave me a little bit adrift. And particularly then I was like, Well, I'll just get my graduate programme, I'll go and work for like BAE. He was a massive employer in my um, in my area and In the north? In the north. BA, yeah. British Airways? Uh, BAE Systems. Oh, BAE Systems. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I stand yeah. corrected. So um, I actually did a, a school placement there when I was at, when I finished up my last year at school. I did a week Massive. there. Um, I was just assumed I'd, I'd go in there. Well, they dropped from 150 graduates to five. Wow. In one year. In one year. Wow. And so that's not good news. And so, I mean, I looked for graduate programs <clears throat> elsewhere and it was the same story. Yeah. But I, I don't really wanted to do airspace. That was, I didn't want to go and work in it. I, did, I remember applying to Pilkington's who did glass. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I don't really want to do this, but I need to get on, because I don't know anything, I need to get on a graduate program. You yeah. know, there's no yeah, other way. And so, yeah, I ended up working in a bank. Yeah. In the bank. So was that through a graduate program or was that just no, your local No, my friend bank? worked at a bank. Yeah. So she got, she said, oh, they're recruiting. Means to an end. Go and, yeah, go and do this. And it was, and that's pretty much how my life has been, is that, you know, I means to an end, I'll do this job uh-huh. for a bit. You know, something better, that career will come along. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Absolutely. it hasn't. Okay. It's just been, you know, one thing to another. But I've always mm-hmm. stayed very close to engineering. And I mean, like, I spent the last 12 years recruiting engineers for companies all over the country. And so, yeah, I know engineers and I speak to them regularly. I know what's going on in the world, you know. And I you, can speak engineers still. I was going to say, you never change, you never lose that engineering mindset. I mean, no. you might be out of the industry or something for a little while, but it's that mindset. I think you obviously mm-hmm. never, never lose. Yeah, so um, it's been an interesting one. And that's what I mean. Your, your career is never what you plan it out to be. It's always a series of steps mm-hmm. to get you somewhere else. And where else is, you can't plan. because You just don't know where the future holds yeah. um, and what matters and, you know, and where that's going to take you. And it was actually my husband's career that led us to Australia because... Surprisingly enough, he's an aerospace engineer. <laughs> <laughs> not opposites attract this No, time. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> we are actually really different, but we're very similar. Um, and yeah. yeah, so we got an opportunity to move here. We'd never been to Australia before. We didn't even know mm-hmm. anything about it, to be honest. And we went, oh, look, yeah, we'll sell up and move overseas. And mm. So you spoke about how you went and worked for the bank and sounds like you've done a few other little roles that maybe I'm not sure I might be speaking for you here that you might not have been as passionate about as engineering per se um, and then when you uh, kind of finish them up and you kind of move to the engineering recruitment kind of side of things is that where you were really able to reconnect with the engineers and that kind of space and industry is that look it's it's been a good career it's just and I think this is something that I, I kind of mentioned to you it's not aligned with my values and it's, it's taken me a long time to realise that mm. the recruitment world is a challenging one yeah. and I'm very much a people person and I want to do the best by people and I, don't get me wrong I'm never I'm 
it's been I'm never perfect and being in recruitment it's very hard to be you're talking about thousands of people that you're in, dealing in with in what aspects is recruitment difficult because me sitting on the other side I go easiest job as well that looks awesome like they got a job I've got a candidate let's match them done but obviously it's a lot more complicated and there's a lot more in it than that it's emotionally difficult uh-huh. um, you know so if you're talking about a, a job say you've got 30 applicants for which I know you can mm-hmm. that's not many but mm-hmm. you've got to deal with every single one of those applicants and face to face or over the phone well over the phone even just by email you've got to let them know what's going on you know yeah. and yeah. sometimes you have to give people bad news you know someone's really passionate about a role and you've got to say mm-hmm. look I'm really sorry you're not you're not what we're looking for and that's not easy that's not easy to do mm-hmm. and also you see a lot of people that you want to help and you just can't mm. you know there's people the bleeding heart no no people not people who have genuine you know needs but a lot of my work has always been in defense you know one of the biggest ent- barriers to entry is defense is citizenship yeah oh, you know, really? yeah if you're not yeah, you have to be a citizen yeah yeah you need to get security clearance. i would have thought there'd be um say contractors or other kind of ways you could get in but no it's nah. that's the rule no if you need if you security clearance, if right. you need security clearance you have to be an Australian citizen right. yeah. Yeah. Okay. so um, yeah so and you know there's a lot of really good engineers that have come from overseas and they have worked in overseas defence even in the UK you know which you'd think mm. it would be easily transferable it's not no you know and they right. have to go and do their four or five years somewhere else so they can get their citizenship hmm. and that's actually really difficult because say you're um, I don't know a weapons engineer, you know, a munitions yep. engineer or something mm. in the UK. It's not that easy to come and be a musician. And then what do you do in the interim? In the interim. Yeah. Know, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. And, and, that's, and one of the biggest challenges I have with engineering recruitment in Australia and pretty much anywhere is that if you don't fit into a pigeonhole, people won't look at you. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're a marine engineer, you're a marine engineer. We're not going to. It's the do title versus the title. Yeah, and that's really sad because if you think about the fundamentals of engineering, yeah, uh, yeah, you can apply engineering principles to pretty much anything. And you know, as you said, it's about having that mindset, that inquiring mind, that problem yeah. solving. It doesn't matter what it's on. If you yeah. could, if you could remove the company and you could remove the title, and you just talk about your roles, your responsibilities, your tasks, your outcomes. People could do so many more roles than they're than they're pitching yeah, to. Yeah, and, and it's very very difficult to get somebody to to look at an engineer in a different space. So yeah. if you're in oil and gas, you've got to have had oil and gas experience. You right. know, if you're in aerospace, you've got to have aerospace. You know, mm. there's very few sort of titles that that cross over. Mm. And all and the thing is, you know, industries all call different the same engineers different things. So you know, it can be very confusing as well for a person looking for work. You know, what does, what does the uh, building industry call this person? Or what does yeah, the aerospace, yeah. you know, oh, yeah, I didn't realise it was one of those. And you're like, yeah. it's just, and that's, and that's really frustrating as well. And that's part of why, you know, my values didn't align with what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I want to help everybody. You know, I want, I want to do, you know, I want to, I want people to get jobs, you know. Yeah, exactly. Every mm-hmm. single person mm-hmm. I deal with. And, and enjoy their jobs and the right jobs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just before we get on to the next thing, we've got a great engineer here, Eugenia uh, Pavlanova, that uh, has been with GHD for about a year, and she's had a very similar problem. A structural engineer in the mining space, she, and we'll actually interview her soon, and she's really had struggles going from mining uh, into structures and buildings and things. And um, yeah, we'll talk about that another time, but it's, it's quite an interesting topic, um, that transferable skills. And, and, and although you might have the transferable skills, it's the industry that is rigid, not you. So that's pretty frustrating. But on a more positive note, um, <laughs> let's talk about, all about Rocket Woman. I want to give you know quite a bit of time about it because I know you're super passionate about it, and uh, and it's obviously the solution to all this doldrum we've been just talking for the last five minutes. Um, <laughs> it's a solution to everything, but I would like to think that it is. And um, yeah, yeah, so so give us the wrap. What is Rocket Woman, or so are you Rocket Woman? I am Rocket Woman. You um, are. Rocket Woman. But Rocket Woman has has taken flight from what I am and it's so Rocket Woman has come about from my experiences within the engineering recruitment world in that I get a lot of organizations asking me where all the women are they also want talent that they can't find and particularly within Brisbane I found with the um, so my niche is aerospace but also defense and you know it's a merry-go-round of the same people you know they go from yeah. one company they go they're Very there small 18, 18 months they go to the next company and again we're talking about defense clearance there's a limited number of people that can get to defense clearances mm-hmm. and so rocket women has come about because i'm super passionate about getting more women into stem careers and getting more women to have 
a say in the decisions that we make mm -hmm. and creating the world that we live in and having an influence on that. Is that and all STEM in general or would you look, try to specify in what you've been working in defence and things like that? I, look, I, can, I can't do everything. Yeah, <laughs> I, would love, sure. I would love to, to be everything, but particularly within, within aerospace, uh, defence and yeah. those... Um, but you've just started. I'm, yeah, I know. You've got more room to grow than you know. Yeah, so. exactly. So um, I, I'm starting small. Well, I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, my Rocky Woman is about looking at it differently. And yeah. so I'm, I'm not young. And I know there's plenty of people out there who are in similar, plenty of women out there who are looking for meaningful careers and they want flexibility. They need to have considerations of family as I said mortgages you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's not that easy to transfer careers as we just spoke about you know if, if you're even if you're not an engineer and you want to be going to an engineering type role you know it's it's going back to uni it's the costs of that it's the um mm -hmm. the expectations the time of that is, mm -hmm. is very difficult so what i want to do is create a pathway through rocket rocket woman to give those people that opportunity mm -hmm. so ideally uh, we're looking at three different streams of, of people people like myself who already have a degree in engineering but haven't used it and want to you know mm. use it down the track yeah. so let's get them some opportunity whether it's through internships or you know maybe some upskilling or what mm -hmm. have you and mm -hmm. um, people who have been out for an extended period so have already had an engineering career but have gone to have kids or they've got sure. elderly parents or whatever mm -hmm. Massive um, and also those people who have just uh, been a lawyer or been a you know a nurse or have you gone you know what, I really want to be an engineer huh. and how how can we get those people into those roles because not there's lots of the other thing is there's lots of technical roles out there that don't require engineering degrees but then mm. no one talks about them yeah. and so if we can get women into those kinds of roles as well we can provide that visibility you know and I think visibility for the young younger generations is really really important mm. but there's an awful lot of pressure on the women that are in those roles now to be this representation we spoke i've spoken a lot about glue in the past and the glue of um the th meaning the things that women do in organizations that aren't part of their job description but they hold the organization together mm. you know and one of those is being that representational person you know Here's this wonderful female engineer. Yeah, on the pedestal. On the pedestal, and you know, let's, um, you've got to enroll them out for every, and they're like, well, that's not doing my job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, um, you know, it's great. People want to have women, more women on recruitment panels. You know, mm. we can always have a, a female sure. to have a female perspective to make sure we're not being biased and all that sort of. But if you're a small organization where you don't have many women, then it ends up being the same woman all the time. Mm. All the time. All the time. And that, you know, again, that's taken away from their job. And then she's sort of, you know, being used in this token role rather than doing what she's really passionate about and interested in. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah. that's where I see if we can get women at a different life stage into engineering roles and become then it becomes a norm rather than something that we have to and then they become the representational people for the kids because they go oh my auntie does this my mum does that you know Absolutely. my sister-in-law or what have you or yeah, you know. yeah and having kids is not a is not a career death sentence well it, it can be <laughs> no, no, yeah, that's what I'm saying but, but yeah. your, your work is to change that yeah, yeah exactly yeah, 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 yeah. And that, to and change that idea that okay yeah. I'm going to have kids so I can't be an engineer anymore that's, oh, I that's can't, it. yeah I can't have a meaningful career I know on a lot of the mums groups on Facebook and that it's great you know networking that way but they talk about unicorn jobs and the unicorn job is a job that they can do 9 till 3 you know between school hours because they have that's to all that's nine all. till three, that seems pretty achievable to me, hearing nine till three, but apparently that's just not the norm at all. No, not at all. Mm. And then if you, you know, then you add on the fact that a lot of engineering firms are in really annoying locations, yeah. um, you know, they're in the city, which yeah. is great, but they don't have satellite offices, you know, yeah. people yeah. need to be near to their nearest and dearest, they need to be near their mm -hmm. schools or their kids. Yeah childcare or what have you yeah. and you know this this burden of responsibility means that it's very difficult to find those jobs in careers that actually make a change mm. you know and it shouldn't be like that so how do we fix that and kind of find these jobs do we need to encourage companies to provide these types of unicorn jobs or do they already exist and people aren't aware of them or how can we make that change um, it's a cultural change and part of the reason why Rocket Woman has come about is to help organisations realise that and say look mm. there is this talent pool out there there's people out there that want to do these things we need to work with you to create those roles mm. and you know there's there's so yeah. many ways that it could happen from you know working from home to job sharing to sure. you know it doesn't have to and it's I found that engineering is a, is a profession that's for one that's 
so leading in natural technology, it's quite far behind in the realities of working. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's and that's a challenge. And and it's not about creating these unicorn jobs. It's about f- changing the way we think of normal jobs. And oh, instead right. of being not, it's not you know presentation. It's more about productivity. So not being present or being here for nine to five, but my mind is away from you yeah. know after two o'clock or after I have lunch. But actually, hey, I can work from nine to three. And then I'm going to pick up my girl, pick up my boy, whatever. Going to, you know, look after my my elderly grandmother, grandfather, or something like this. Then I can do an hour or two later on if if presence is such a big deal. Yeah. Um, or you know, I'm available Monday to Wednesday, and then you know, Jane, she's available, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or you know, whatever. And we can do a full role together, and we communicate all the time. We don't even have to be in the office. We can just you know meet with each other or over the phone. So I think it's just, and, and again, I don't want to speak for you, but it's, it's changing the perception and the mindset around what jobs need to be. Not trying to create these perfect roles for these perfect little you know, women that need this. It's just about what is, is required, I think. Yeah, and it's, it's hugely important that this is, you know, as far as flexibility in the workplace goes, that you know, it's not just about women, it's about everybody. I couldn't be here tonight if it wasn't for my husband, you know, looking after my children. Um, mm-hmm. And I couldn't do what I need to do if he didn't have some sort of flexibility to, to help me, because, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, we don't have any support. We're obviously migrants. Um, mm. We're double migrants in that we moved from Melbourne three years ago. So we've <laughs> like lost any network that we had in mm, Melbourne. Yeah. And so it's, you know, it's a real, real challenge. And one that's, you know, I face every single day is how do I manage where I've got to be and what I've got to do and who I need to speak to as well as, you know, I can't have my little boy running and going, mommy, 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 when I'm on the phone to somebody and, and trying to, trying professional to profe- look professional. Yeah, um, yeah. But then I suppose I can because that's becoming more the norm anyway. But, you know, it's, it's, it's very distracting having your kids around. You forget yeah. what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> and I can understand a little bit about what you're talking about because my mum came from Brazil, uh, had us in New Zealand, and then soon after moved to Australia. And, and yeah, talking about that migrant life, you have no support. You don't have your mother to, to drop the kids off for an hour when you have an interview or, or whatever. You have to be there all the time. And so I completely understand, I suppose, what you're talking about. I think even as a society, we've become more disconnected anyway. So even if you're not a migrant, you know, you don't have those links in the same way that we used to have. Mm. And so, but I think Australia is very much a migrant society anyway. So it's, um, yeah, it's interesting that, there's a lot of people in the same same position and mm. even my, even like my neighbors across the road they're from New Zealand their, their families all in New Zealand you know they mm. don't have mm. huge amounts of and I think as well from our geography um, you know people in Australia are a lot more spread out you know what I mean whereas uh, again I'm you know talking about friends and experiences of the UK but people can have their entire family live in within a couple of k's of each other within the same town or within a couple of towns you know you, it's, it's harder to have that in Australia because we're so spread out Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, And yeah, you can't just... I've got friends um, who I could rely on, but, you know, they're on the Gold Coast or on the Sunshine Coast. You can't just go... Yeah, Mm. there you go. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. It's not that easy. It's just not not, um, sensible. So you do have to manage, manage that very closely. And I think businesses need to start to realize this a lot more. And I mean, when we're talking about defensive security clearance, if you're not including women in your in your opportunities, you're you like you're wiping out half the fifty percent of the half the population, the you know, mm, and yeah. that's and that's a big thing is security clearance in a lot of these defence roles and defence projects. Yeah. When I started in recruitment, there was a lot more sort of migrants coming in. There was huge, huge numbers of four, five, seven visas coming in to 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 top up engineering workforces, and that's that's changed a lot. It's not as easy to do anymore. Mm. But it was like talking about, well, what should we look at this pool and should we try and like reopen this way? And I'm like, well, why when we've got all these people? Yeah. You know, let's create opportunities for them. Yes, it's not easy. You know, it's not the straight it's not the easy solution yeah, exactly. you know from a cultural point of view you know let's change let's use that opportunity to change mm, change yeah. uh, perceptions and change change ideas and get people interested in engineering because it's you know you say you're an engineer and people kind of go hmm okay you say you're a doctor everyone's really interested they know what That's it's about literally myself and my partner all the time <laughs> we're at a house party and she's a gynecologist or obstetrician and everyone's like oh so what do you do back like oh yeah you know ONG sort of doctor everyone's like and you can even if they don't say a word it's the body language they're like not the head <laughs> and, then, and, then, and then everyone's like oh and then they actually say oh so what do you do Ryan and I'm like oh electrical engineer and they're like and not all but some literally tilt their head a little bit to the side because they're like huh 
What's and that? they're like, oh, so do you what, like, fix TVs and fridges and stuff? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what I do, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, I, and I even sometimes say the words, oh, like, power, transmission, and distribution, and people are like, what? And I'm just like, oh, don't even bother, don't even worry. I have to say that's one of the good things about being in engineering recruitment is that I have seen so many different industries that I probably wouldn't have even known Mm. about. You know, Mm. it's like you talk about power and transmission. I did a huge project down in Melbourne a few years ago where we were looking for all different kinds of lines people and, you know, people that worked on SCADA systems and, uh, you know, and protection engineers and uh, cable jointers and, you know, things that you just, people just have no clue what they do do or even that they exist. (laughs) I mean, I know um, you were talking to Warren about his helicopter lining and you know mm, yeah that's the stringing yeah. the stringing yeah and you're like yeah of course everyone knows but people do that you know you've got hot stick people and you've got well, you know, yeah, people one and, you, no idea that and you're happens. like what do you mean you don't know and you're like yeah okay yeah. I mean, there's people out there that, that string yeah. lines via helicopter yeah, <laughs> exactly <laughs> I just um, we made the point before about creating more opportunities for women and whoever it might be and say they want to change a career or kind of experiment coming back into STEM or engineering and um, I think an uh, experience that I'm currently having at the moment is I'm working for free essentially for my dad and his business partner on their property development purely for the fact that I would like to get into property development at some stage and rather than go back to university and do all that kind of stuff I am getting an amazing training right now and getting to lead one of the property to one of the stages of the commercial development essentially for free. I work for no money, I don't get paid to do this, but the training I get is incredible. And I kind of it kind of shocks me that there's not more companies out there offering these kind of things, like for people to work for free for them, but gain these insights and experiences. And yes, I get that the GHDs where we're at today and things like that. These are big organisations. There's a lot of onboarding. There's a lot of processes and overheads to pay for. But essentially, you can have someone work for you for free, get a really good taste of engineering or whatever they might get to get into, rather than them wasting their time at uni for four years and going, oh, no, maybe this isn't what it is for me, and they get out. Because a lot of people do that these days, and I think... Uh, we probably have a few listeners who listen purely to get an idea of whether this is for them. And I just really feel like, why isn't this happening? Like, why aren't more people doing this? If I own my own engineering business, I would be out there on seat going, come to me for free, come and get good experience because I don't want to exploit people. I want to give them a genuine good experience. And if they like it, they can go for it. And absolutely. And to be clear, I think I think you um, would hit probably a fair number of challenges with with your process um, mm. one being uh, the cost of that it's not it's it might be free but it's not free to the business you know there's a mm. lot of things that you need to consider Important. insurances you know, mm. you know and, and Especially also, engineering like public liability and stuff like that yeah mm. exactly and also one of the biggest challenges I think for change is current workplace sort of regulation and workplace um trying to think of the words that i'm looking for but you know those policies around yeah workplace workplace policy yeah labor laws things like this exactly and that's and and a lot of that why can't that fall under a work experience type title or something like that I think that's uh, maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk to the lawyers. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe that's a rabbit hole we, yeah, yeah, we don't have time yeah, for. Yeah, that's probably something you want this to talk to HR argument. professionally yeah. about. Yeah, I'll no, talk to HR <laughs> but that's what kind of I do. I do, I do definitely get your point. It, it is quite interesting where you know, as you said, maybe a, a, a female or someone, some sort of engineer that's had some time away. Maybe they travelled for a couple of years. Um, it would be great for them to be able to come back. Maybe not want to do engineering, but not going to spend two years at TAFE doing a project management course. It's all it property is. development So you're talking course. about before, before you do a degree, aren't you? Yeah, before well, you maybe do a degree, after, even yeah. after. So, so what Rocket Women wants to do or is, is part of that is to do a, a mature age internship. I don't like the word mature, but we'll go with that. <laughs> um, and, you know, so that so people who are going back into industry yeah. do, do get that. Um, I'm not talking about it being free because people at my life stage can't, you You've know, got bills. we've got bills to pay. Absolutely. You know? And the idea is that these are fully functioning people that can go in and help. Mm. And a lot of it is about learning industry nuances. You know, if we're talking about someone that's working in the defense industry, they need to know who to say yes and no to. And, you know, they need to understand 
understand the rank structure, they need to understand the projects. And so sure. a lot of it is about gathering that kind of information. And, you know, you're right, we should be getting people into industry and that's what I want to do um, to get them to see, you know, this is what's out there. These are the opportunities. These are the projects. Mm. Um, yeah, free is probably better for the younger people. And one of the things that I've noticed is as far as entrepreneurship goes, female entrepreneurs are growing at the fastest rate in history. Mm -hmm. And that's because industry is not offering them the opportunities that they need elsewhere mm, yeah. elsewhere and if entrepreneur they can do what the hell they want exactly they can work the hours they want they can do what they need to do and they can work with they can target like, the market they want customers whatever yeah and that they can they can do what they're passionate about mm. and you know and that's what industry needs to do and industry is very small very slow and if it doesn't keep up then we just you know you're not going to get these people back they're just going to go well there's another opportunity there for yeah. me and think about the billions of dollars hundreds of millions of dollars whatever australia has spent as a country in educating these women you know providing for them and think and not only women but everyone you know yeah. when i use that word that term uh, and then the degree and, and the time spent and everything goes to waste because as, as you said you never got into engineering you know what i mean there is huge do and you talk about okay and you're definitely right where you say there's costs and 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 and, and policy and, and time involved time and disbursements involved in creating structure so we can re-enter these these women and then other skilled workers into the workforce rather than just opening up the the, the borders again um, but you are also saving and, and reusing hundreds of millions, probably billions of dollars uh, of training and, and other resources that have been made available to people. Um, you know, and if that, if that housewife that has gone back to have kids, you know, think about all the Centrelink support she got, the HEX and all these other things that she did through a uni degree. If she never goes back to engineering, it's never being utilized. It's just thrown down the toilet. So. Well, I think I think let's go back a bit though. I mean, like engineering, you can use it in a lot of other, other areas, so it's not quite a waste. But it is it is sad to lose people. Well, out I'm, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. She, I'm just saying if she has kids and never returns to the workforce again yeah. because she wants to stay in engineering and, and that doesn't work out, she's not going to become a, a you know run a, a, like a sales saleswoman or something like this. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. you, you, you're losing and you're not oh, recruiting you are, you and, and utilizing all of those resources. And you're losing you're losing ideas at the, as well. You know, exactly. you're losing experience. And part of what Rocket Woman is about is about bringing that life experience into engineering as well. You know, just how things work and how things are designed. And it, it, when you've used something or you've needed something or you've got that life experience about the, the realities of, of how life works, you think about things differently. Um, and so you're bringing those, bringing those ideas into engineering is what Rocket Woman is about as well. My challenge is whether industry wants that. <laughs> you know, is it ready for that? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so I've had a lot of interest, but is, is industry really ready for change? And mm. what I've got a little bit sick of is the um, you know the platitudes mm -hmm. towards it. But we want I want real change, and I want change tomorrow. Action. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. I want action, and that's what Rocket Woman is about. Is about creating action and finding out whether that you know people want change. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, well, I think we're, we're getting close to it, and I think we've covered a lot. Which Have is, we really which gone through an amazing. hour? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's actually, it's flown by. Talk about oh, we, 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 don't, we don't have to stop now, but uh, I, I'm, I feel like if anyone wants to stop now and not doesn't want any more planes, then you're more than welcome to do so. <laughs> but, um, we haven't even got onto minis. I mean, come on. <laughs> but um, yeah, I suppose for, for really interested workers, you know, as, as you know, looking to re-enter the workforce or for supporters from the corporate level, who are you looking for? What sort of engagement and support are you looking for? For people interested in Rocket Woman, whether they want to be part of it or support it uh, in any way, what are you looking for and, and how can people reach out? Um, so what I'm looking for is women that do want to go into engineering or want to return and are having trouble. I want to talk to you. And I want to talk to organisations that want to help, you know, that want these people to take, to have, want to provide those opportunities, want to tell me their story, want to talk mm. to me about what, what they can do what what roles they've got available you know whether they've got roles that people could go into straight away you know there's so many roles out there where people get trained to do them anyway you know and they're not yep. let's get let's get women into these roles why not yeah. i want to talk to organizations that want to offer flexibility that want to offer opportunities particularly within the aerospace and defense sectors but i'm open to any sector that that takes engineers and how can you reach out to me you can find me on linkedin you can search for rocketwoman.com.au that's me um yeah. or you can email me at info at rocketwoman.com.au yeah find me on linkedin i'm i'm pretty uh, active on linkedin so you can find me fairly easily or you can find me through jack and ryan <laughs> <laughs> we'll always refer <laughs> 
Uh, I don't think there's much else left to say. Ruth Harrison, thank you very much for coming on. It's uh, it's been amazing, and um, I know that we uh, have we've had off-air discussions about getting your expertise, your passion, your insight, your connections, you know, th- those skill sets onto the podcast. Um, don't know how we can facilitate this, but whether it's a roving mic, we've talked about it, which I, I, I love. Um, but you're too powerful, too too passionate to to not utilize. So. Uh, we'd love to help. Uh, we'd love to have you help support the community, and, and equally, we would love to support Rocket Woman because it's an absolutely bloody fantastic idea. <laughs> and um, and it, I don't have to, you know, blow smoke up your butt. You're getting so much support and so much encouragement, and, and people buying in, and it's overwhelming you because it's a great idea. Yeah, I so. just want to thank everybody who has helped me so far. This is a really short journey for me, but it's just been immense. Um, so there's some amazing people out there that have come and just given me advice and help, and you know, mm. just pointed me in the right direction um and you know and also to my network if you want me to come and meet you and talk to you and so we can do this for you and share it on the pretend engineers i'm happy to uh, to talk to you i've got some fantastic people in my network who i'm sure would love to uh, to share their ideas as well you know exactly. and show show what great female engineers do i don't want to add to your workload so look, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to come and have a coffee with you and uh, just have a chat and um, but yeah look it's just amazing and i think i also want to thank brisbane because brisbane has been a really inclusive environment everything that i've done or everywhere i've gone people have been really supportive and helpful and very nice and polite mm. and and you know just taken me under their wing so that's that's also helped me a lot on my journey and i do just want to uh, reiterate you know whatever you do whoever you are you do do a job that's value aligned because it's really important and it really takes away from you if you're doing something that isn't doesn't match with your values of who you are so yeah so just just be aware of that if something isn't feeling right there's a reason for that i love that point yeah what a way to wrap it up (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) ruth harrison thank you so much you're welcome we look forward to working with you very soon i'm sure thank you so much for your time my name is ryan lumens i'm jack orbit we are the Pretend Engineers, and the Pretend Engineers have just finished an amazing episode with Rocky Ruth Harrison. Woman. Rocky <laughs> Woman. Thank you very much, guys. <laughs> <laughs>